Welcome back, everyone, to a very casual episode of When the Music Stops. I am back today with the first ever recurring guest. Uh, Anton Lukashov is here with me, actually in my apartment. Anton, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. So uh, the nice thing about my apartment is that all of the art, the paintings, the prints that I have, they're only from you. I have no other artwork. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. It feels like you're obsessed with me. I'm, I'm a little obsessed. Yeah, it's like a, my mini gallery. Now, just to be clear, they're physical paintings that I hang up on my physical wall. And unfortunately, do, do they come with an NFT? Probably should. They should, and they didn't. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm robbed of $7 million per painting. Well, if you pay me extra, I'll make sure it never happens. So Anton, when I first had you on the podcast, you know, you had just got into uh, NFTs. And right. that, that was my episode number two. I think I named it like NFTs, naming stars, and other pointless technologies. And the big claim that I had at the time was that NFTs are not really tied to anything of value or usefulness. And at, at the end of about a two and a half hour conversation, you admitted that there were some kind of interesting discrepancies there. I don't want to talk so much about those discrepancies and uh, and sort of where you landed on on like philosophically whether NFTs work. What I wanted to ask you was more about your journey because you continued um, to print NFTs. Um, so, so tell us about that. How how are, how how has the last few months been uh, selling your artwork? It's been doing pretty good. Um, it feels like there's still like a trajectory I'm following through. Like it's picking up slowly. I still didn't get like a success. Like I didn't get recognition or whatnot. Like I didn't sell my NFTs like for an obscene amount of money. But at least the trajectory is going towards the direction where I'm getting more and more successful. And at some point probably it will become profitable that I actually will need even like a extra income, like a nine to five jobs anymore. Right. So the interesting thing with you is that you are a professionally trained artist you, you studied in russia in in a, like a proper school yeah. uh the paintings you know in this apartment are, are pr pretty demonstrably show uh your talent as a painter as like a classical painter but your prints show your ability to to work in the digital age um as well and so you know nfts seem kind of like an obvious uh synergy and that's really what you described last time when you were talking with me what's fascinating is that your uh, exquisite and Im like impeccable design in your work you, you were telling me that it, it doesn't have that recognition uh, what is it that's missing do you think for people to to appreciate your work and 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 pay the money that you know you deserve well obviously prior nfts the gateway to like the entrance of cost for any potential buyer was quite high like to buy a physical painting it's usually like anywhere from like one thousand to two thousand dollars for like a proper uh oil painted work just because like the, I, I cannot charge you less than that because it's just like only one of one obviously and uh, it takes way more um sorry i shouldn't say it takes way more time or anything like that it's just um there are physical constraints physical you constraints you will basically limit it to people who are around you and also the mark art market was quite small there was no like a let's say, let's call it like a retail um, collector. Like I'm saying like it's never been mainstream. Like collectors used to, used, usually people who are like upper class or wealthy or people who have like a taste and like an eye for artworks, they go to art galleries. Not many people actually, like it wouldn't be like a regular person who would be uh, into art before. And the reason I guess is because it was just like not very accessible like um, to people. At least it wasn't so like easily accessible. 
but also like there was no sort of a monetary game involved into it because people usually would buy artwork just because they like it they don't assume it will like become also as a asset they can flip eventually and speculate on yeah speculate like within a couple of weeks or months right so the, there's a lot of that right now in the market at the moment that's the biggest difference so basically and also like art world was like a a very guarded garden you had uh, um, like a galleries curators who tell you what art is good what 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 art is good um right now you don't have that now those people actually being humbled down actually they're kind of out of their jobs because now like it's all about like if you have twitter account you have some following you can quickly access uh anyone's art like it doesn't matter where you are uh it just become like a accessibility issue you can just look at art in the washroom in, in, in the toilet and just buy some nfts uh and then flip it if you want to or just collect long term because you believe in an artist um prior to that it was like you have to go to the gallery actually to evaluate the value of work or look at the instagram images and contact artists and then uh, ask them for the price and then they have to send a physical version of it like where, wherever you are there's a lot of hassle in that yeah so um go, going back to sort of why you're not getting that recognition is it because of sort of like a twitter following do you expect more you kind of need that like online presence to get that attention to sell your work well again uh, which one nfts you mean yes your nfts nfts uh no i mean right now it's getting more exposure right now it's just again like i'm a trajectory to be getting more exposure at least i know what to do now to get more exposure there's like sort of like a path just simply doing a good work it used to be another world like uh, prior nfts that was it just wasn't enough even like you could be amazing artist but because you're not knowing the right people in the gallery it was like so difficult to get to to get this uh, a credibility from right institutions that would tell you but that would like potentially open you to other collectors because serious collectors they have um, you know gallery connections they have they have creators who tell them what to collect because they're also looking at that as a business side to make sure they collect someone who will appreciate in time and um taking a gamble on someone unknown hoping that one day he will be like a famous artist it happens sometimes it's just sort of like you can get lucky maybe you will get like a, some amazing collector who really in love with your work but that's like almost like a once-in-a-life opportunity and if you look at some artists who become famous actually that's how they uh, become big just like someone finally rich enough um like a patron believe in them invested into them and they eventually let uh, like, like uh, introduce them to right people so it's like being picked eventually but now you have democratization of that factor now you don't need those people to be found in those people you just have to get a following on twitter and that's why you can claim back that uh, power you don't have to be dependent on those few people you depend on many people now a lot of these benefits that you describe in an online world which is open to anyone we discussed like quite a bit at length in in our first episode the 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 interest that that i had right right now you know given these last few months of you kind of continuing this experiment is observing more um uh, what the NFT world is like. Mm -hmm. And and right now, um, what's interesting is that, you know, you say that there's these no walled gardens, anyone can decide what's valuable. Mm -hmm. um, how, what's the average price that you sell an NFT for in like, let's say US dollar terms or Canadian dollar terms? I would, I would uh, um, like $300, let's say. $300. Is that like selling one or like selling a set of 10? Right now, like, for example, it depends on where I am. Like, for example, one of ones, they usually start at least with uh, five hundred dollars. 
on its own. If it's one of one, it should be selling at least five hundred dollars. Um, in whatever it's a uh, Tezos or Ethereum, I would just suggest like. Uh, it also, depends how much time you spend on it. Like you know, sometimes you don't need to be spending too much time on the work. You could release it below the price. So average like five hundred bucks for one of one, and uh, if it's like a multiple editions, like up to twenty, it's bit um, again overall amount of all the editions in sum once you sell probably also like uh, amounts to $500. How many unique instances of NFTs, like not when you're splitting or, or selling one of one, but how many unique instances are you producing like on a monthly basis? Do you do like 10 pieces? On a monthly basis, I uh, probably make three works. So like one work a week, sometimes two, sometimes four. Um, sometimes I j like right now I have like three works just sitting. I'm just want to push to the next week. So like I have like a breather between the previous work. So the the previous work has a chance to sell out. How do you decide whether or not to split the NFT into like a 10 of 10? Uh, for example, the prints that I have of yours are a, a 1 of 10 series. So my, mine is like a 3 of 10. There are 10 prints that you made. How do you decide whether to make one or, or more? Uh, I don't think there's much science behind it. It's just really arbitrary in a way. It's just which path you pick in a way. Um, you, I, I sometimes I have twenty twenty, sometimes I have ten of tens. It's just how depending on the work itself. Sometimes I want this to be this work to be spread out as with more people than other works. I want some works to be more special than others. Uh, I know as artists I shouldn't like like have a favorites, but I do. It's a kind of bullshit if, if artists don't have a favorite. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. It's sort of like. Um, Sometimes I'm okay, like uh, if work doesn't sell for too long, or I want it to be sold as soon as possible. And, and I guess the biggest factor when I decide is probably how long it took me to make it. And if it's like a very simple, quick work, sometimes I make 2020 just because I want it to be like uh, accessible and more democratic for to people who want like a, a lower cost of entry. And some some works like uh, I purposefully make them more expensive just because I want only certain collectors to be able to collect. One thing I noticed is that you chose to use the Tezos blockchain, which is quite a small blockchain in mm -hmm. terms of like the range. Like, you know, yeah. there's the Bitcoin blockchain, which had some early NFTs in 2015, which are no longer kind of popular, like the yeah. rare Pepe's. And then mm -hmm. in Ethereum, you have like the majority of NFTs. Binance Smart Chain has a lot of NFTs, but you, you chose this uh, uh, tiny blockchain in, partic in particular because the fees were low enough to allow for like smart purchases, uh, smaller mm -hmm. purchases, right? Um, I didn't, re I, it wasn't like, oh, Tezos, let's let's find if they have NFTs. It wasn't like that. It was just, a, they have a platform called Hikatnank that actually basically popularized Tezos because of that. Because if if, if the Hikatnank was another platform, another type of um, cryptocurrency, I would just go over that. It, doesn't, it didn't matter to me at the moment, at least. So what motivated you to go to Hikatnank? Oh, it's just, um, well, it was like, random it wasn't like a decided choice or anything it was more like sort of uh, on twitter i just started seeing this new platform popping up in march it's probably it's approximately when it's open in the first place and i just like uh, just jump into it and i just naturally kind of um instinctively like the interface i like the obscurity of it i like this like band camp of uh, art feel to it it's like feels like underground it has this underground feel and what I liked about it, it was it felt like early ages, uh, early stages of Ethereum-based NFT platform. Like you're kind of becoming like a early, very early adopter of something new. So what it uh, what it allows you, it's like be, um, 
it gives you an advantage because there's still not so much art on it and uh, you get way more exposure in terms of like to potential collectors and in fact like many uh, so much of my uh, um, uh, sales actually happen in the first stages of Ikatnang right before April before the very first hack that we had uh, of Hikatnank. There was like a hack of Hikatnank itself that kind of like uh, slowed down the momentum of it, but we can get back to it anyway. Well, actually, tell me about that. I mean, w w uh, like what was hacked? Uh, uh, Hikatnan, the something, platform? yeah, it wasn't Tezos that was hacked, by the way, just to make sure we're clear on that. It wasn't blockchain problem. It was Hikatnank inside uh, API, like, I don't know how you call it, AP API uh, problem. Yeah, okay. Uh, so basically, uh, uh, the uh, hacker was able to, um, I'm going to butcher it right now, but in, I'm going to just explain as much as I can. Basically, hacker was able to buy um, one of your works, but he would also be able to uh, to get other of your pieces for free somehow. So he would only have to buy one work to obtain access to more editions. So one of ones would be okay, I believe. Uh, it's the ones that multiple uh, multiple editions were not uh, not not safe from that, and hacker was kind of like a how do you call him like a, a white hat hacker like he was like trying to actually expose them hey you have a problem solve it or I'm gonna start exploiting your problem and apparently Hikatnank knew about the problem and they didn't do anything about it for weeks until hacker okay I'm gonna just uh, start hacking and expose you so anyway it was like um, eventually it was solved uh, the uh, platform was resolved and. Now it's all good. It's they solved the problem, so it doesn't happen. But I'm sure it it scared away a few collectors. I bet because after that it was momentum was quite slowed down. But now, judging by these stats, sales has doubled since then. Right. D does it um, concern you that by putting your uh, talent on? Well, well, let me just ask this: Do you consider like putting your work on multiple blockchains at the same time? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like, I have. Like prior Hikitnanka had my work originally actually minted on uh, Rarible on the Ethereum platform. And I sold successfully a couple works there. But then second time when I uh, minted a second collection, it didn't sell at all. And I feel like uh, I was just lucky. I got just lucky with the original uh, collection because I was also uh, picked up by one of those uh, crypto NFT like Twitter uh, accounts. They kind right. of like gave me exposure, and once that happened, they, someone came in and bought all my uh, collection. But after that, there was like silence. And then, that's when I kind of realized I probably should get on Twitter because that's where really collectors meet artists. Um, it wasn't Instagram at all. I was doing it wrong because Instagram is kind of like a dead platform for artists, which is surprisingly unusual to me. I'm sure, of course, there's some artists who actually have huge following and those are successful. But if you're just a beginner, I think Twitter and uh, smaller platforms is kind of way to go. You, it's 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 a little bit um, uh, pointless when you're just beginning to go into Ethereum platform right now because gas price is just insane. Like it, it, the cost of entry is so high at this point. And so just just for the audience, like when, when you say gas prices, you mean the the cost to you know to mint. mint. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so just to create an NFT. So like That's you, right. you you work on your digital uh, artwork right in your studio at home. You have a home office and and you work there. You you work with like professional. 3d like visual kind of uh right um uh tools there and then you 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 have to mint and put them on a blockchain um so like you know you can choose like the ethereum blockchain the tezos blockchain how much does it cost do you think like to put it on the tezos uh, blockchain tezos right is like non-existent it's like 0.00 something uh 
uh, I wouldn't even look like at a it. few pennies at most. Yeah, it's like cents, like on a dollar. It's like it's nothing. I, I think to. currently, right now, with the uh, the complete manic uh, episode cycle that we we observe with uh, with the crypto space right now. Um, minting an NFT on Ethereum can cost like hundreds of dollars. No, yeah, I was looking today uh, on Foundation. It was like two hundred dollars. You pay hundred dollars for a listing, and then a hundred dollars for uh, um, gas fees. Um, sorry, a hundred dollars for li- for minting, and then a hundred dollars for listing it, like the price. So it's not just minting price; it's also like you have to list it at the price. Right, and so when someone looks at that, right, so if they want to sell it for five hundred dollars. Right, yeah. they're gonna lose two hundred in the just in making it. Plus the fees from the um, uh, to the platform, fifteen percent, I believe. I, I could be wrong. Right, and then the buyer is concerned because when they buy it, there's a transaction fee, yeah. which is like again yeah. a couple hundred dollars easily. And right. then when they want to, you know, sell it again somewhere, like flip it, that's another two hundred dollars. So now it quickly becomes a place where flipping art that's worth less than a thousand dollars just becomes really impractical. Well, it's also kind of good <laughs> because you don't want to like I, I don't I feel like flipping I, I don't like flip like um, when people just flip it too fast it's kind of like good maybe the cost of entry is a little bit higher although I feel like it's stupid to say that right now actually um, the the thing is like it makes it pointless to sell work cheaper than anything than like uh, 0.35 ETH at this point and again, if you want to resell it, it has to be at least like double of that or triple of that. And that's like 1500 US dollars, essentially, you're describing. Yeah. And also like, uh, again, like what, what it means for a smaller artist. And if you're just a beginner and if your work is not recognized or not maybe like a, maybe you're just starting artist, like it's almost impractical. Uh, so that's why maybe like some other platforms and alternative platforms like Tezos-based platforms kind of like best, um, better case. For, for beginning artists, at least to gain following and then kind of joining those uh, uh, Ethereum platforms. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was because you are with all these like legitimate artists. I've seen your work uh, like in NFT form and I've seen the artists that are your kind of like colleagues, your contemporaries mm-hmm. that are also doing work. And it's fascinating. Like it's clearly there's a lot of effort being made, mm-hmm. um, a lot of expertise. You know, uh, you know, you you could honestly say like you were showing me like a virtual museum. Um, that was a very cool experience. But that's kind of not what I think the center stage is right now for the actual like dollars on the table of mm-hmm. what's happening with NFTs. And I wanted your opinion on like the actual artwork that's being sold. And and just as an example, um, let's take Crypto Punks. So Larva right. Labs is a, is a is a company. They created like ten thousand punks. Punks are these uh, pixelated, I'm sure people know what they are, but they're like pixelated little uh, images of people. They have like hats or beards or whatever. There's only 10,000 of them. Right now, the cheapest one of these like 10,000 pixelated images is uh, 388,000 US dollars. That's the very cheapest one. And and, and CryptoPunks is just one of many examples of things that that I you know we, we've talked outside of uh, out of podcast that you you've you've kind of questioned the integrity there and and like the the artistic content okay uh <laughs> this is the way we're entering like a obscure line between collectibles and um artist driven works like uh, art, art what we call art there's art and there's collectible and the line between them getting blurry right now because they're just going to mush together into one thing in a way like all the platforms have the same uh, sort of product both products on the table it's like you go to a like a marketplace and you buy tires and apples at the same time in one place 
Like it's it's a weird combination of things in one dumped into one platform. What you're essentially saying is that the word NFT kind of is too broad, right? Like in one yeah, piece, you're about you, art. you're describing technology every time. So let's we, we shouldn't even say NFTs. It's just like there's artwork and there's collectibles. I mean, every artwork can be collectible, but I feel like not every collectible can be art. I feel that's better distinction. So obviously, like artists can also release its own collectible, which many artists do. I'm actually planning also doing it at some point, like a release, like a series of collectibles. I mean, at least they have a presence of collectible, but they treat it as art. On my on my side, I treat it as art, but I will present it as a collectible business model. I think that's where this separation uh, distinction happens is uh, in the business model, because when it comes to collectible, it's always like a, some sort of like a company or group of people standing behind it. Uh, making a 10k kind of collectible item um they i mean the famous one is like beanie babies which were little plushy toys like in the <laughs> 90s well i mean uh, like <laughs> sure. it, it might be silly yeah. or like baseball cards yeah. right you have companies that are you know pokemon cards Yu-Gi-Oh cards you These could are real say that as well that... but there's also like now like uh some uh artists who kind of created the collectible uh and they drive and they treat it as a their business model is also as a collectible but the artist stands behind it but he, the artist has a team now so there's this kind of factor right now as well. So it's not just like a Lavra Labs, like a, some like a, a business name, and you don't know what kind of people be standing behind. Some artists now also doing a collectible, and they they put in their name behind it and their personality behind it. Well, the, the the point that I wanted to make is that when we look at like the big ticket items of what's right. being traded and sold, like if I if I took the top one thousand most expensive <clears throat> NFTs, mm-hmm. there an overwhelming amount of them are things that are artistically very questionable like the, the, the right. you know you're making like maybe a thousand dollars a month maybe more right, yeah, right? It's, it's and nothing. there are rocks like right. poor drawing of rocks yeah, yeah. and they're so, like one of a thousand collectibles and each one is selling for seven million dollars well that's where right now we are in a speculative uh, part of the like a sort of like a this technology right now we, we we're in a boom era, uh, era of art collectibles nft era right like it's just starting so we're not we we have a lot of speculators in the market, and I think when dust settles, like for example, let's say five years from now, like when suddenly all the speculators will be worn out, everyone will sort of start reading the game better. Because right now I feel like because because of speculation, we don't know where it's going. Once we have like one uh, boom and bust cycle done, a lot of uh, collectibles will die off, go to zero. Some will survive. Some will like be survive survive just because the business people who are standing behind it actually are smart people and actually treating it properly. Because it's like um, uh, you can treat collectibles also not just like uh, the NFT space, uh, not like NFT like um, not just uh, as NFTs, but you also can like license them, right? Like for example, it becomes part of the culture as like comic books, right? You have these characters, right? You can make a. I, I'm bet we're gonna see a Marvel movie based on a crypto collectible. Well, easily. so so th- this is where we had a bit of disagreement last time because I said that there are no copyright laws that back any NFTs, and 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 this is very much true. Like NFTs it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because because it's not where the business model happens. It happens between those people who are sitting behind it. If those people sign the right contracts, sign the right paperwork with, let's say, like a Warner Brothers tomorrow, like this. Uh, board yacht club uh, ape whatever forget the name, forget, forget the name properly board ape yacht club right sure if tomorrow they will sign a like a contract with board Rodner's brothers to release a movie about 
uh, based on uh, their NFTs. Nothing stops them. And that will only enter deeper into a culture and become staple as a cultural um, phenomenon. But Warner Brothers could make the movie without asking for permission. I don't think, well, they probably could do this, but I feel like the, the, the uh, team will just have like a huge lawsuit. And I don't think it's in the best interest of Warner Bros. to do so. When the they the can only defensible way to make a good. lawsuit is, is that if you have a copyright, right? Like Star, star Wars, you can't just make a Star Wars brand. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they, I'm sure there's a copyright somewhere between, like I'm sure I, I, I didn't dig into NFT. I'm just making an example how NFT, like a collectible can actually survive. And the best way to survive is become a staple in culture, just like Pokemon, right? So, so let's you talk about like that. You have like Pokemon, right? Like it's collectible as well. Pokemon cards, but it's also a comic book. It's also like a cartoon series. It's like everything. So uh, that's interesting. So when we look at like Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Pokemon cards, baseball cards, plushy toys, one thing we notice is that there was a culture existing before it happened. So like sure. girls and boys. It doesn't had matter. You can toys. go from the other side. It doesn't matter how you enter the business. It doesn't matter how you enter the cultural realm. Like it's part of culture right now. It's a it's a club, and anyone who like, don't you understand? It's a it's like you're part of a cool club now. They have the aura and vibe, like you know, if you own one of those board yacht club, um, <laughs> board ape yacht club um, NFTs. Uh, NFTs, you're part of something like uh, this movement, right? They associate themselves with a movement. They associate themselves with a, a certain part of a culture. If you're you have it, you're with us. You're one of us. I bet soon it's going to be a business card. If you're not part of this, uh, if you don't own NFT. I cannot talk about any kind of business or secrets. You know, it's like a, it's the same version of uh, club, men clubs we used to have, like right, like where you know you have uh, access to this club, and now you have suddenly access to all these businessmen because they, now you're insider. Right. It's kind of it. It will become like this. Except the only difference is that again you have uh, like first the speculation and then the insider club, whereas like again with cultures. It's the opposite around. So like first we fell in love with Pokemon, the game. We played without mm -hmm. speculation. And then it's like, okay, this is so big in our culture that rare cards now are valuable right. because it's just, it has currency in our culture. Like right. that's a Charizard. Everyone right. knows what a Charizard is. Right. Um, same with Yu-Gi-Oh! Baseball cards and Beanie Babies. The interesting thing with all of those cases is that cultures change and baseball, as a good example, uh, baseball cards just have been in the decline for decades. And mm -hmm. all of those collectors that were so big into it in the 70s and 80s, they're all like pretty much left holding bags for the most part. Like baseball cards, obviously, it's still a liquid market. It's still a big market. But to say it's the same size, it's 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 a huge well, money again, loss because uh, the culture has moved on. Again, it's not just because culture moved on. It's also because there's no business person standing behind it to more, turn it into a monetary system. I bet one day we'll maybe have like a reemergence of that. You well, don't I, know. It, it, I, I mean, someday we will. There will be some cool movie released. Baseball will suddenly become more popular. Who knows? Right, but but for starters, the baseball point, cards are made by businesses, so there definitely are business people. That no, are I know, but maybe they're doing shitty job promoting their business, or maybe baseball is not that good anymore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a baseball guy, so I can't talk about it. The point I'm 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 not agreeing with you here, though. It doesn't matter how you enter the culture, and as I said, that's why I'm saying for all those uh, collectible NFTs to stay um, on, like a continue exist and survive. Like for example, when boom and bust cycle happens right is enter deeper into culture as you said right like we we live with pokemon for many years some kids become like accustomed to it like they watch cartoons nothing stops uh uh board ape yacht club like create a cartoon so like 
even like, they have so much money probably but, but they could my, create my, their own my, cartoon and release it on the internet i i see what you're saying but i'm my saying point, i'm saying they can get they can um go deeper into culture and stay via like uh, licensing deals via merchant uh, merchandises all kind of stuff it's a new market and i think there's an advantage to take off and also like that's why all these toy companies now actively uh, entering the nft market because it's such a natural evolution of that because now they they actually have already part of culture solved for them they already have cultural presence all they now they have to con continue is like naturally enter nft market and now people can collect like all these like toy types things so so one thing that i'm, I'm hearing when i talk to you and is that you're essentially saying there's a legitimate way which is like pokemon was a culture and then became a collectible with worth mm -hmm. money and these collectible worth money can then create a culture the reality is that culture has just not been created like if you go on the street and talk to people about the culture not of NFTs, yet not yet we, we're just in the beginning but one sec it doesn't exist outside of speculation but it, it doesn't need to yet not it <laughs> well pokemon also wasn't like suddenly a thing right uh well, one sec one sec so again pokemon started as a game first it wasn't a speculative thing like an investment it was 10 year olds like literally buying cards like packs of cards to like exactly. battle each other and and so is the uh those collectibles they also started like nothing like they were sold for like nothing at the in the beginning right like even crypto punks were like sold for like nothing yeah, yes the but th but there's no crypto punks game there's th th like oh yeah outside, no, outside, of, outside of, of being a speculator in ethereum which is a super minority of people um, you can't go to someone on the streets and say, hey, look at my Twitter account. It has a JPEG of uh, of a punk, which I have in, in my Ethereum wallet. That's just not in our culture. But you're still buying them for $400,000 minimum price. So to me, you know, it's strange because, you know, like some of the fanciest Pokemon cards, which anyone will recognize, right. are, are not going to go for that price. I, I understand, but I'm saying, that's why I'm saying for them to survive. And like right now we're in a speculative mode. You don't need any culture yet to enter, right? Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. For the, for those collectibles to survive after speculation goes away is to enter deeper into cultural realm, become recognizable, become out, become have a life outside of NFTs, right? So, okay. So where we agree is that currently there isn't an obvious grounding in legitimacy, but it could be if they also, pivoted also, into the culture. Also, for example, in case of crypto banks, the way they legitimize themselves is actually not doing uh, like licensing deals on like uh, cartoons and stuff, uh, uh, cartoons and the movies or whatnot. They do that via like entering the art market, Christie's, Sotheby's. Once you enter that market, you don't even need to be part of like a, a cult culture. You 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 become a staple by uh, all these wealthy right people in collecting the CryptoPunks and that's how they legitimize themselves because that, then you don't even need to be uh, a part of like a Pokemon type of culture. You just have to be like a exclusive part of culture. Like where if you, you if you're rich, you can afford to buy CryptoPunk. Right, but again, you have this- Just like you have like a, uh, like a Monet paintings. There's only so many of them, right? Okay, so one sec. So you have the circular logic where it's like, it's valuable because it's, it's expensive and it's expensive because it's valuable. And oh I'm, yeah, and, yeah. And it's I'm, like a cycle. It's like one one feeds another. No, no sure. So, yeah. but but again, we come back to like okay. So there's just no grounding. You know, one thing is like for example, your paintings in this apartment. When someone looks at them, and I tell them like this is a two thousand dollar painting. No, I know, but it's also, not unclear to them why it's two. It's very obvious. Like it's yeah, it's but a large. Painting. Now you just yeah, but now it's kind of sucks. Now you describe the value of my work only because I had sweat and tears spent on it. 
why why so what if i tomorrow i release like a simple like a like a sharpie drone drawing what you would say it's not valuable to you like i i probably still maybe maybe there's a deep idea like you you value you put value on the work just because you think because person spends so much time on it it no one can not many people can do it that's how you value work but it's not the only way to evaluate works. Well, well, I'm, so you, you're the expert here, and I'm trying to understand because yeah. the the like if we look at what is valuable in crypto with mm-hmm. NFTs, yeah. um, what doesn't make sense to me is that your work, but also people that do work like your work, which mm-hmm. is to say, like professional artists, yeah, they're like a super minority. The value is like rocks, like like blank images, yeah, like like cart like cartoon faces that aren't yeah. related to actual like popular culture cartoons. Yeah. To me, this seems like a weird juxtaposition. We we even talked about this before, and you admitted right. like this is something is messed up here. Okay, where the like the real value, like mm-hmm. y- y- you were kind of remarking, like you know what the heck is going on? Okay, with all of this stuff being. I, being I think sold. we have to make. You see, I, it sounds like I'm uh, defending all this shitty collectibles that's on the market right now as well. Um, first, we have to draw a distinction. What exactly we're arguing about? Yes. A lot of those collectibles that being present in the market right now, they're gonna go to zero. They're gonna go worth nothing. They go through speculation cycle, and people forget about about them just like Beanie Babies or those baseball cards, right? Some will stay, and the only way they can stay is again, I said, as I said, they have to enter the cultural realm deeper than just NFTs. I'm saying that was have to happen. It doesn't mean it's already happening. Right now, it's just still a very minority of people speculating, and that's where they kind of they're still riding that wave of speculation. And there's crazy values being given to them for no reason. There's a lot of like a money laundering happening. People just rinsing and washing away, like in the rug pulling on the collectibles. There's a lot of people uh, collectibles just already going down to zero. They're being rug pulled. It's uh, already like happening to some of the collectibles. Some Twitter accounts. Um, pump up shitty collectibles and then they just sell because they the uh company that created collectibles give them like a bunch of collectibles give them money to promote it because there's some accounts very influential twitter accounts right now on the internet that pump those and promote those uh, new collectibles coming into the market and because their voice people jumping into them Right, and those uh, uh, essentially what you're describing is almost like insider trading, where yeah, certain yeah, people yeah, are given of. the collectibles, and then they're they're essentially like promoting yeah, the collectibles. Exactly, and then new money comes in to buy yeah. the collectibles because just all like the, in stock market. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, in stock market, except it's illegal in the market. Correct, right? yeah. exactly. It, it's illegal. You get jail time for doing this behavior. Yeah, yeah exactly. And here it's just called uh, welcome to crypto, right? Well, I mean, like it's just, again, it's a first of all, if you're an idiot who like jump into some collectible and like you know got rug pulled, it's kind of like on you. I, I don't think it even needs to be regulated because it's just a, such a minority of people who do does this, and um, um, so that sorry that's happening right now. Sorry, I was tra- dis- distracted a little bit from the conversation. Yeah, where, okay. where a point I was making is that there's certainly collectibles that are complete crap and they're gonna go down to zero. Right. Right. And there's a lot of speculation, lo- money laundering, or. Um, rag pulling or uh, as we said like uh, some drug money coming in and sort of like a, a way to like a pay for drugs maybe as we you, we, we talked about earlier. yeah and and actually if, like if you don't if you don't mind like i, I want to bring this up because... just one second, just just before i finish so there's a lot of uh, speculation and shitty things happening at the same time while there's art world of nft 
right? Like artists, legitimate artists like me, some many artists that I know, uh, we all trying to just make money on doing actual good work in art as art, uh, artwork. Sorry, I'm, um, so 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 the artists like me who is trying to actually uh, make money on NFT uh, in the NFT ecosystem by doing art. Right, it's a legitimate business for me. Right, I'm a legitimate artist. I'm making something good. I hope I attract some collectors who will buy my work, uh, keep it, and appreciate it. Maybe one day I will get to be even legitimized with art gallery because they're gonna show my NFT work on a digital screen, displayed because it's animation. Let's say, alongside maybe with my painted work, because to me like uh, NFT is just extension of my art career. And, 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 and this is where I, I have sympathy for that because I, again, you are legitimate, you have talent and you're, you're, you're trying to, um, break into like a new medium to like exploit that talent yeah, and like, yeah. and like monetize that talent. Um, the, the, again, the weird thing to me is that there might be like two parallel things happening. Like you described, I mean, again, early days of cryptocurrency, there were some people trying to do the whole libertarian, like we're going to pay for stuff mm-hmm. online. But we, we found that the default, the majority was like darknet markets and like, uh, like big, uh, what's yeah. it called? Like, you know, methamphetamine, cocaine, mm-hmm. LSD, right. uh, like drugs. That was like pretty much the overwhelming marijuana was probably like the, the largest value mm-hmm. transfer there. Um, and so I, like, I kind of want to pivot here into one thing that to me, like struck me as something kind of interesting I read. And this involves, um, uh, a really, uh, you know, um, an excellent journalist in the space by the name of Amy Castor. And so you can... You know, the audience can read about this all online, but she did an amazing piece on NFTs and how they connect to the art world money laundering. And, and she explained it in a way that I wish I had understood better earlier, but it kind of clicked in my mind a few days ago. So I just wanted to read sort of in her post here what she mm-hmm. how she describes like a potential nefarious kind of illicit use case for mm-hmm. NFTs. And, and, and she writes here, the most practical way to launder money with NFTs would be what is called trade-based money laundering. Deals that appear legit on on the face but are meant to hide the flow of ill-gotten gains. All you need are two parties to make that happen. Let's say I need to receive $3 million worth of dirty crypto. I mint an NFT, establish its value by wash trading, selling it back and forth to a, uh, to myself a few times, and then sell it to my colleague. I then cash out at a banked exchange. If anyone asks where the money came from, I simply tell them I sold an NFT. And really what she's writing here is that, again, if you want to give someone money for drugs or whatever it is, you can essentially, um, they can make an NFT of whatever, it doesn't matter, a rock, a JPEG, you know, you send that money to buy that, that JPEG and, and, um, and now on the surface, it looks like what's happening is art is being, is being traded. And, and the way Amy Castro describes it is that this was a common problem in the art world prior to NFTs. NFTs just made it way easier. What makes this make sense to me is that if if that was what was happening, and again, it, it mirrors the cryptocurrency like trajectory of 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 like going towards the illicit direction of things, then um, it would explain a lot of you know these exorbitant prices because now NFTs are just placeholders for illicit activity. In which case, again, like rocks being sold for millions of dollars could just be you know uh, illicit trades under the surface. Um, it, what do you think about this kind of, uh, you know, breakdown explaining like the value that's coming from a lot of NFTs, of wash trading and, and, and trade-based money laundering? I mean, what, what can I possibly think? Nothing. I mean, all these things used to happen in art world, but now it's just kind of because NFTs become also part of art world and it becomes just like a mainstream uh, process, right? We, we, it all been happening prior NFTs. 
people would uh, avoid taxes this way, right? Like, um, uh, but it was like more like a rich people game. It was right. probably uh, a bit harder to do this because you had to know right people. You had to know. You had to be sort of like a um, connected to galleries. So, more, more parties were involved essentially. Now so, it's going to become more efficient. So, Andrew, I'm not saying that you're involved in this no, yeah. because, again, if if it was, yeah. it would be kind of silly because you're selling, you know, a thousand dollars a month worth yeah. of, of of artwork, and it's taking you many many hours of, of your time. Yeah. What it I'm sucks saying, to see. It. I mean, it makes you jealous, obviously. But at the same time, I know, like, when I see something ridiculous, something stupid being sold for ridiculous amount of money. I know there's some scheme behind it, probably. So is that how you feel when you see the the the, the NFT space and you see that you know uh, so much attention is being paid to what looks like just you know indefensible artistic w- stuff? When I saw those gray uh, rocks, it's it's a hundred percent something like that, or it's either like a, some platform trying to like somehow has a, some business scheme that they managed to like you know like uh, to register that. Uh, sale being done i don't know what the benefit it's it's like it's like for example some new nft platform opens they pick uh, specific works usually no artists being involved into it it's usually always collectible because you don't if you involve artists like right you, they don't want to pump a specific person because it's not about art at all it's about their business model right and they say oh look we just sold a uh, crypto punk on our platform for a certain amount of money and i wouldn't be surprised if you follow all those like uh like wallets you'll find out it's just a, a creator of that platform just rins uh money through like you know for his system or something you know yeah and money I'm, went back to his own pocket in a way and this typically takes like a few months to really debunk because you need professionals to kind of investigate the flow of money yeah. uh, an example is eos which was a four billion dollar ico was just to like which recently it, eos oh EOS. yeah it's been pumping recently actually well <laughs> So EOS, it was it was discovered a week ago that uh, um, by an excellent company, Integra FEC, that mm-hmm. their $4 billion ICO, $4 right. billion money raise, was mostly them laundering proceeds yeah. from previous... I mean, uh, I'm sure this is happening. And I mean, like, all I can just say is like, just like uh, shrug on it because it's just it's just funny to see this kind of crazy thing happening. Uh, but I, I noticed like all, all these biggest transactions, it's almost never a specific artist. Um. It's always some sort of collectible and that kind of alone already kind of creates suspicion because there's so many amazing, crazy artists who actually could worth this much money and you could just legitimately like buy their art for like a hundred ETH and you know like in 10 years or five years or even a couple of years, they will be double of that. But it doesn't happen as more often. You see sometimes it's happening. It happened especially a lot. Actually, it, it did happen a lot in the beginning of uh, this year in February. There was like all these people sales uh, Trevor Jones, all these early adopters of um, um, crypto NFT type art, they've been all kind of like um, on on the front, like, you know, being like really sold for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But also I get is also because I feel like it's just kind of like the beginning of this thing. Now I don't hear as much of those sales happening. Right. So, I mean, just kind of to wrap up our, our kind of like casual discussion here, mm-hmm. like, Given this kind of potential, you know, uh, credible um, journalism by Amy Castor in, in her piece, I, it's probably fair to say that, you know, you know, if you want to support an artist like Anton and buy an mm-hmm. NFT for, you know, like $100 and, mm-hmm. and you, you know, participate in that, you know, that's one thing. But participating in the broader, like, collectible, you know, NFT space, this is probably something you, would, you wouldn't advise um, I, I feel like, like the like average a, listener. I mean... 
it's it's a great time to speculate on some like collectibles right now because it's so booming you can go and speculate buy something really low i just would not suggest to buy anything like for more than one ethereum because i feel like you will not i feel like most of those 10k collectibles most people who buy them even at the lowest price will not be able to sell them back again even though the floor price can say like five ETH or 10 ETH it doesn't mean you're actually going to make a sale. So w w one thing that I want to point out here, and this is sort of like a gambler's fallacy, which is that if if other things are going up, then exactly. I'll pick something and it'll go up. But again, exactly, if yeah. other things are money laundering and you are not actively money laundering, yeah. then yours are not going to go up. No, exactly. Because like, for example, like I see when I see those, that's another thing about collectibles I see sometimes. Um, they say, oh, the floral price on this one right now is like five ETH now. But all those floor prices it's only become floor because oh someone just sold for like like uh, four five if therefore my work now costs also five if and everybody raises the price sure cool you might get lucky and someone else will actually go into this collectible like okay i'm gonna pick one or, f or even five let's say right and buy them for five if there's 10k of those um collectibles to collectibles to choose from they will not necessarily buy yours right like it becomes like a game of chance and also i bet uh, some of those sales become like a, because people know each other collect connected somehow there's like some sort of maybe transfer of money being happening you know like it, it, it has legal nature to it so i don't think most of the people who co uh, collect uh, the collectibles they probably will never actually make real money in it even though the floor could be like insane but you will never actually sell. Right, because there's a liquidity problem. Yeah, think about 10, 10K collectibles. When you have artists selling for nothing and legitimately could have a chance to actually double in, in potential future because they actually have integrity and they're not going to go anywhere. You have a legitimate person standing behind it, right? So if you actually just run a person who actually wants to enter this market, I would actually recommend to collect artists right now, especially smaller artists, because they at least not going to go anywhere and they it, it's in their best interest to actually continue making work and grow and uh, grow in price and become more popular right um i'll, I'll leave it with with one last thing uh natasha che had this like a uh, big twitter thing where she she said that nfts are capturing the value of a thing and if you destroy that thing the nft continues to capture it she she said this about a diamond, and then what she did was she bought a five thousand dollar diamond, mm -hmm. made an NFT of it, and then and then smashed the diamond, and right. then she tries and she's currently I think trying to sell this like smashed diamond NFT. Yeah, I mean it's a performance art at this point. It's 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 like you transferred value from the actual physical diamond into yourself and the performative part of it. You become a performer, uh, performance artist. But if you, you film it, you you showcase. It's like when artists like uh, shit in a, in a, in a cans and just like uh, seal it and then call it like it's this is my artist shit and then just sell it for like obscene amount of money. That happened in history as well. Right, but the difference is like you can buy like a thousand apples and then convert each one to juice. But in this case, it's not that your like diamonds can actually be converted into NFTs. It's that a single performer can perform in a way. Uh, that like only you know one or two people in the world can do. Um, it's not that actually like diamonds are being converted into NFTs no, obviously in, in the no. way that apples are being converted into juice. Duh. Yeah. Of course not. I'm just. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You, you, you say perform. Of course not. But but like 
like if you tell this to Which, the, what's what's the problem I, I guess i don't understand the, the, the problem is that when i told this to a friend of mine like earlier today uh -huh. that this is what happened she said that that sounded hilarious and crazy yeah right it which, is which is, is exactly what it is right yeah absolutely but, but it, it's 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 being rationalized by you know roughly like half the crypto community as being some sort of like deep and meaningful well you enter in the art world part of it and the, the laws of physics don't apply anymore like logic don't apply in a way because the the role of an artist is to challenge your um your perception of art and what value is it's th th that's the role of an artist is always challenge what uh value essentially is if i that's what like uh, Dush, we're coming back to the same conversation about duchamp i told you remember we had the last that's last right podcast. duchamp uh, uh done it already he sort of like just took a regular object signed it and said this is art and it's for the first time actually it's being kind of declared that it, whatever artist decides is art the problem here is actually becomes uh the gravity of your personality sort of like how important your voice is so you're not really selling your artwork as much as your voice like a po popularity contest right not exactly it's sort of like how many people really agreeing with you on this side like if a lot of if enough people agree that this is art or actually i would I have to say right people you know legitimization of this thing happens where it's between like a artist and potential collector who is very rich and he's like i'm buying this art for this obscene amount of money and this and that legitimizes it in a way because kind of i i don't know what kind of right words to say because i'm not intelligent enough to say um well, well i i mean i i see what you're saying look i'll 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 end it by saying that I am comforted by the fact that I have paintings that I yeah. like, that I paid for, that I have no intention of selling, and that are <laughs> not hard for me to like demonstrate to people. Like when someone looks yeah. at the paintings and the prints, it's 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 not confusing. I would be very worried of having forty thousand or fifty thousand or hundred thousand or even even a thousand dollars of artwork in the NFT space. That would be a concern, and, and it's okay that we disagree on this on this space. Um, how can people follow you, like get in touch with your artwork? Um, um, you can follow me on Twitter, and that's where you kind of can find all the other handles for me. It would be A N T N artist on Twitter. Just just uh, so that's at A N T N artist. At A N T N artist. Gotcha. Two together, just one thing. And a the site is called Hicket Nun. Can you spell that? Oh, uh, it's a Brazilian word. I'm not gonna try it. Uh, just it's like just, just find just find me, and from there you can right something like that. If you just follow me, you will find everything else. The rest is kind of like easy. Gotcha. And of course, make sure to follow Amy Castor and take a look at her work. Um, I will have a link in the description. Um, she's been a, a previous guest. She's a recurring guest, I believe, actually, as well. And she might be on in the future uh, to talk more about this. Well, Anton, thank you so much for coming today. And I really appreciate your time. And you'll be back on like to tell me more about your experience in the NFT world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was Anton Lukashov in person with me. Thank you very much for joining me. We talked a lot about Amy Castor's work. You can find it at amycaster.com. Please check out her work. Uh, the article on NFTs is called Notes on NFTs, the High Art Trade, and Money Laundering. I also highly encourage you to support journalism in this space. Uh, check out patreon.com backslash Amy Castor, that's A-M-Y-C-A-S-T-O-R, and support her work. Uh, a lot of people that are doing journalism in this space don't really make a ton of money because they're not promoting any uh, scams or frauds, so make sure to check it out, and of course, uh, everything's in the description.